and welcome back to episode two of the pod. I am Ethan Warren. With me today, as always, is my co-host. Sorry, I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're great. You're great. Uh, and I'm Kellen Cupid. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, today we've got a couple things for you guys. We have a interview with uh, Grace and Lulu of Boston Pandas uh, later today. But for now, we've got one rotating segment that we want to, to share with you guys, and it's called uh, Time Machine. It's a, it's a new segment we've got here. So it's sort of like a on this day or on this week and X year, this was happening in Quidditch. Since Kellen's a bit of a youngster, I've got I've to give him a little bit of a, of a history lesson in, <laughs> in all of the, uh, the old stuff in Quidditch. You know, the all-timer draft, boomer draft, as we call it, or the broomer draft. <laughs> of a history lesson now we gotta we gotta go with all of this how does that sound all right yeah let the record show that this is all ethan's idea so <laughs> if you don't like this please don't attack me i literally typed her <laughs> this is a terrible idea but please bear with me <laughs> all right oh, man so on this on this uh segment of time machine we're gonna talk about we're gonna we're gonna roll it back all the way back to 2019 i know that was a long time ago you know, pre-COVID, <laughs> all of this crazy, insane year. But we're gonna roll it back yeah. to there. All right. So on this week, uh, back then, we had Pan American Games. So the Pan Am Games were a really, really cool event that was put on, right? And it showcased uh, a couple different teams. Uh, I believe it was Team Mexico, Team Canada East, Team Canada West, and Team USA. I believe those were the four that came. And if I'm missing anyone, I do apologize. But as I remember it, there was a lot of discourse. During the like run up to Pan American Games, with people wanting us, as in Team USA, to send regional teams, right? You know, Canada was sending Canada East and Canada West, and a lot of people thought, oh, like why are we sending Team USA here, right? Why don't we just send a bunch of regional teams? Because people thought, you know, if Canada's going to split into two, uh, Team USA, like either one won't have that much competition, or two they won't really get that much practice in only having to play, you know, three other teams. So people had this idea that we would bring in, you know, regional teams, which I think that sort of got nixed because I think Team USA thought that this would be like one of their only times to practice together, which is super fair. So they sent them instead of these regional teams. But I had this thought, right? Now that we have these like USQ awards, you know, where we highlighted the best players in, in club and college, why don't we make these regional teams, right? So we make these regional teams from, you know, all the different regions and have a tournament. And so it's, you know, a, a may the best region win type thing. What are your thoughts on that, Kellen? Yeah, I mean, I like, so personally, I love this idea. I just think that it's it's great in terms of really just like getting some regions who are not always in the limelight, a little bit more respect. Like, for example, I think that, if we had a matchup between maybe like the West and the Northeast, that'd be like such an incredibly, in incredibly exciting matchup. So I, I'm really for uh, like just any type of like interregional competition. Um, yeah. That being said, though, like I really do think that uh, it would have been very, very interesting to see maybe like a, if it was even split into like three different chunks like a USA, East, West, and Central, just mm -hmm. to see like a lot of 
Texas and Midwest teams go or players going up against like East Coast uh, USA players or like West Coast USA players like that just I feel like that would have been very entertaining. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think I mean, yeah. outside of nationals, we don't really get any regional competition, right? And I think that's something that yeah. that, that that people like crave. Like we, um, this semi off topic, but we just got like um, our ELO history done for for University of Rochester, and I was looking through like teams that we've played, right? And there's so many teams that we've only played like one time, which is crazy to me, right? You know, and we've played, you know, RIT like 30 times and Syracuse like 20 times, right? But we've only played teams like UT once or we've only played teams like, you know, Texas State one time, things like that, right? And yeah, I think like regional competition or, in, or inter-regional competition, especially like for, you know, top teams to see where these regions are at is super important. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think the, the biggest issue here is that we have no way to measure the top teams because they're just continuously playing the same teams in the region all the time. So mm-hmm. once like just it's it's just better in terms of seeing where teams are, in terms of just more entertaining games. It's just overall and there, I, I can't see many downsides of interregion play. Like I just think we need more of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 definitely fair. So if we, if we did this this tournament, so you would be on the Northeast team potentially as as our as our seeker, right? Since you were the yeah. you were the collegiate seeker of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. So you'd, you'd potentially be a seeker on that team. How do you think the Northeast would stack up against everyone else? Oh, I mean, that's that's hard because I'm biased. I just think <laughs> that the Northeast is the best region there is. But I mean, honestly, I think. If we're if we're gonna be realistic, I think that this team would would still make it pretty deep. Um, I don't know if we would win the whole thing, but I do think that we would at least get extremely deep and and turn some heads, you know, because uh, all the teams in the Northeast are just ex- the the parity at the top. I think is very very it's just very even. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of the teams are just very highly competitive, and and that kind of gets overshadowed a lot. Um, so. I would be really interested to see how we do. I think we would do pretty good. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely fair. I think what I'd say is I think top level talent in pretty much all the regions is, you know, at similar levels. And I think we saw that in the collegiate draft and the all timer draft, where players from so many different regions were just picked up, right? Yeah. So I think the top tier talent in those regions are at similar levels. I think once you get like to like the second and third tier talent, that's when you know, regions with, with more teams just shine more, or, like, regions that exactly. have been more yeah. at nationals in the past shine more, right? Yeah. So I think in a, in a like, interregional team like this, you know, where you're taking, like, the best, like, 15, 20 players, I actually think it would be fairly close. So, you know, I think, I think we'd, we'd see some, some cool results there, and we might see some upsets there. Um, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I just love to see, like, just – what some of the hidden gems are across the country because like you said all the top players or the top teams are you know pretty even so there's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of um difference in terms of just like the quality so i just mm-hmm. it'd be really fun to watch yeah yeah definitely i think we saw in uh in the collegiate draft especially there were so many players that i i hadn't heard of that like a lot of different players hadn't or a lot of different people hadn't heard of 
that were just extremely talented. And a lot of these regions that, you know, we don't really get to watch film of, we don't really get to see them play, right? So, you know, we saw a ton of, of talent in the South, in the West, in like the Midwest and Great Lakes, which historically just haven't had that much film, right? And I think after seeing that, it's really tempting to say that one of those teams might pull off an upset against, you know, the Northeast and the Southwest, who I think a lot of people would have as favorites. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that was a super short segment, but I know most of our, our viewers, our listeners are going to be tuning in not to hear us talk, but to hear the amazing pair of Grace and Lulu talk about Boston Pandas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so today uh, our guests, um, two incredible players, uh, both of them played at BU. Uh, one, I think, ended World Cup 8 season, one World Cup touch season. Uh, they both then went on to play for QCB um, and then uh, Revolution, and as well as participating with the Boston MLQ team over the summers, uh, recently winning the most recent MLQ championships that we had. And one half, uh, Lulu Zhu, is uh, actually a Team USA player um, playing in 2018, I believe. Um, but yeah, we have Grace uh, Dastus and Lulu Zhu, the uh, presidents and playing coaches of the Boston Pandas. Welcome, guys. How are y'all? Good. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. us. Um, so I was like really, really excited to get y'all on uh, to our podcast just because um, something that like really, really just uh, made me so happy and excited to see is um, just this development of this new team, um, the Pandas. So you guys just want to talk a little bit about know how the idea came to be and um, just you know the entire team coming to fruition yeah so I think the the very first iteration of um, thinking about a team panda was something that I had been thinking about I didn't think it would actually happen but um, so playing for the teams I had played on um, there were some aspects of um, Quidditch that I didn't think was being met. Um, so I was sort of just joking, like, maybe I'll make my own team and we'll have a cute mascot and it'll be the pandas. And um, I told a few people about this, including Grace. And Grace was very excited about the idea of us making our own team. So once I think everyone can understand why people rally around Lulu. So, um, but I think it's important that um, Grace was excited because when we started talking about like the two of us really making a team, um, we've had experiences in Quidditch that a lot of the past leaders of um, Boston Quidditch teams haven't had um, and frustrations with aspects of Quidditch that they haven't experienced. So um, we started really thinking about like what kind of leadership we want to um, we want to have and like what we want to change with the sport. And then that kind of led to the three max, which I guess Grace can keep talking about. Yeah, so in my Quidditch career, I've, I've done all I can to avoid being part of leadership. <laughs> That's clear in like my BU experience. But I think what made me really excited about being a leader on this team is what we stand for, right? We are sending a message that female and those outside of the binary are strong, great athletes. Um, and they shouldn't be pushed to the side. They should be used in every aspect of the game and play every position of the game. And so I think with Lulu, it was just a really great opportunity to do something that we both believe in 
the Boston area has been so supportive, so excited about our team. So I think it, that's kind of where it came about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about like the the three max implementation like into into the rule book. So right now USQ has like a four max uh, rule uh, during stitch on pitch and then or pre stitch on pitch during seeker four and then during stitch on pitch it goes up to five max I believe. Whereas I I think IQA and Lulu can correct me on this if I'm wrong. It's four max during seeker four and then during stitch on pitch it's also four max. Yes. And my, yeah. yeah. So, what do you think is is the progression of change that the USQ needs to do, being the less progressive of the two leagues in, in that aspect? Do you think they should uh, like immediately go to the the four max during snitch on pitch as like a first step, or where do you think they should go? Um, I definitely think that we should do four max snitch on pitch. Uh, I'm not really sure why we don't. And I think that directly leads to certain players, um, like female players or non-binary players, not getting enough training on playing on snitch on pitch, um, specifically beaters um, and seekers. And um, so changing that role would be a great first step. And we can it's done internationally, so there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing it in the U.S. Um, there has been a lot of discussion about whether we should be changing the rulebook for seeker floor as well. Um, and that's definitely a much more nuanced kind of question because there's like the principle of it and then the re the reality of it. And um, and Grace and I are from Boston, so we're very lucky to be in a place that has you know a very dense population of Quidditch players in a very small city. But it's not like that across the country, so we're not sure if that would be feasible for uh, other teams yeah. at the moment. Like part of being Boston Pandas and part of doing this three max is that while we are making a statement and playing the three max, we also want to make a statement that we are competitive and we can win in high stakes scenario and high stakes games. And I think this was bringing up, brought up in AQD, but the hesitant, why I'm hesitant on make, on USQ making it a three max rule right away. Mm -hmm. Um, was brought up, but I'm hesitant about it right away because I worry that we don't have enough female or those outside of the binary athletes to play that many minutes. Mm -hmm. um, it could lead to exhaustion. It can lead to burnout. And I, I think, I think Boston's um, somewhat different in some areas, but than some areas, but. We need to really, I keep thinking about Rachel, Rachel Heald's comment about how we need to train and coach and do it in a different way to female and those outside of the binary athletes. Um, and that needs to happen so that we have those athletes that are staying for a longer period of time, really invested in having worthwhile positions too. So I, I agree with Lulu that it should, they should change it for snitch on pitch, but I'm wary about it are automatically going to three max by us doing three max we mostly we want to change the narrative so that if teams are able to do it then they should very seriously consider doing it but previously there are teams that are able to do it and they they do it in a context of when they're really like playing against a weaker team and so they are kind of putting out a i don't know if they consider a weaker lineup but if they don't, if you don't use it against a competitive team in elimination situation, then you're kind of saying that you think it's a weaker lineup. 
And so right. by us doing are you Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so by us doing three max, we are sticking to that. Um, no matter like what situation it is, we're not switching out of it. Then it shows that we do think that we are putting the most competitive roster we think out on the field. Okay. Um, awesome. Just like a quick personal question. Uh, do you think that because you guys are talking about how you're hesitant on changing the USQ rules because teams might not be able to, um, you know, field full rosters while running the three max set. Do you think that you'll see more change come sooner in the club scene because you know rosters are a lot more established and um, usually a lot more balanced, especially at you know near the top? Or do you think that there's going to be like an equal transition of uh, like the quantity of teams throughout club and college? That's a great question. So I'm most familiar with the colleges in Boston, and so again, like our experiences in Boston might not translate to the rest of the country. I actually, I feel like there are, uh, there's like more diversity in college than in club. In club, it, there's just a lot less players. So I think the, tra the uh, transition should happen in college first. Yeah, yeah, I almost want like this idea to be floated around like in, in start, everyone needs to start thinking about recruiting and maintaining uh, female and non-binary players like I think if I'm thinking about recruiting on a college campus I feel like college college colleges are able to recruit more like fresh people instead of people who've been in the college game for a long time have always told to go behind the hoops like there may be some resentment for some players that um, have been told for so long that they're not valuable athletes on the field. Yeah, and I think like with recruitment, right, this would really incentivize teams, like college teams, to to be better at recruiting female and non-binary players. And a lot of teams just don't really focus on that, right? They they go for you know the the, the big male athlete that they that they see first. Um, and that's right. they, they put all their effort into recruiting. And, you know, I think changes like this would really help teams look at, at more players. Right. I think that's that's a good first step, as you said. Also, on like the college versus club thing, I think when like a lot of people think about club teams, they think about, you know, the, the top five teams who have all of these players. But in reality, like almost everyone outside of them has like a 10 person roster, right? Like, a 10 yeah. or a 12 person roster. Like even, you know, Lone Star was a consensus top 10 team this year and they routinely brought 10, 12 players there. And so I think it will be a lot harder to implement on uh, the club scene than the college scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like remember, I I don't know if I told you, Lulu, but I tried to recruit my sister. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like I think, I think college kids are a little bit more uh, eager to try something new than like 27 year olds <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair <laughs> uh so just kind of like speaking on um I think uh one of you guys were saying how you really love the fact that uh, Rachel Heald was talking about we need to really emphasize you know coaching our female non-binary players up and and um just you know really valuing um just the the what they bring to the table, and do you guys think that your your role more like analysis videos? Like I know uh, Lulu, you and Max did the uh, the beater series with the midline, and uh, I believe Grace, you did one with chasing as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that more videos like this and articles like the wonderful Eighth Man article uh, that was written about, you know, the use of non-male, do you think that's going to just increase the uh, visibility of, of female and non-binary athletes and, you know, increase the the amount that we see them in terms of like their quality and what they bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like definitely different, different ways and um, different, di- like I have to make adaptations. Like Harry can teach me how to tackle all he wants, but I tried it 20 times. And then from that, I made an adjustment and adaptation that works for my body and how I tackle. And Lindsay Morella does something completely different than I do, right? So when you're coaching female and those outside the binary athletes, how to tackle or how to catch a ball or whatever it is, there are certain things that are different. Um, How to catch with smaller hands, how to hold the ball with smaller hands. And I think think if you don't have female or non-binary players in leadership, you don't quite know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so watching these videos on how to do it, how to be an unmarked chaser and beating, like that's so valuable, but you also need coaches that are at practices making adapt- adaptations and teaching these players how to do something that works for them. Mm-hmm. Like one of the, um, on my video, um, I talk a lot about strategy, but one of the things I thought was most important is actually the beginning, talking about beating roles, um, which hasn't really been talked about much. Like people often just say like male beater or female beater, when in reality it's it's more of um, so what I call engage and free beaters. And part of the reason why a lot of female or non-binary beaters might um, feel neglected in either coaching or being talked about analysis is because they play in a different way than a lot of male beaters do. Um, and when we were talking about um, how we were going to play our beater sets. Um, so some of our uh, male teammates were like, oh, we have to have all our, you know, female or non-binary beaters be able to duel like a male beater. So like really working on throwing, catching, blocking, things like that. And I definitely agree to that to an extent, but at a certain point, there is a there is a difference. Like I, I cannot throw as hard as Max or Mario. That's just how it is. So I have to adjust the way that I play. And if you don't do that in your normal meeting, like you can get away with a lot of things by being stronger or faster, then you won't know how to adjust or how to teach other beaters to do that. So um, that's why we are excited to have more um, more co- women coaches um, and coaches that can explain those um, concepts. Yeah, it's almost like you are teaching the position. You're not teaching you fit in this role, right? Like so the unmarked chaser versus the marked chaser. An unmarked chaser has different cuts, different timing, different strategy. And then a marked chaser has to do things differently, right? So coaches should focus on teaching the specific roles instead of this is how the female beater plays, or this is how the unmarked female chaser plays. Yeah, so I think that's really important, especially I think it's important to to have players that um, play the position in you know non like traditional gender roles as like have been 
like defined in Quidditch, right? Because like seeing a player like like Grace, who you know doesn't just like play near hoops and you know plays all around the field, or a player like Lulu, who doesn't like play the beater position, you know, back from their middle chaser, or plays a free beater position and like roams all around the field. That's really important, especially in positions of leadership, just to to show other players like, hey, like you can play the position this way, and it's like super effective. Like you don't have to be put into this box. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think like Pandas is doing great stuff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and like also, it 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 does no one any good um, to handicap your team by you know not focusing on allowing your uh, female non-binary player binary players to you know, reach their full potential. Um, like I know specifically for my team, NYU, like uh, our leadership right now is is all female, which is almost all female, which is like incredible. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, I've like been talking to our playing coach about a lot is like really trying to get um, more of our female non-binary players to like ball handle more. Like uh, Grace, I think you were talking about how, um, you know, the chaser position is very like defined for, uh, in terms of like gender roles and, and I think we need to really expand on that and you know same for beating like I, I'm I'm actively I like didn't even know about the beta terms uh, going into like this whole quarantine so I'm glad that like I'm being able to get educated because now when I talk to my teammates I, I can ask them hey like what kind of role do you feel more comfortable in um, what can we work on so that I can like help you be a better engaged beater or I can you know, compliment you as a free beater, you know, things like that. So that's awesome. Just over, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like overall, I'm so glad that we have, you know, people like y'all who are just not only great examples of being uh, leaders for your team, but also just like helping to, you know, push the education of, you know, your experiences in uh, playing Quidditch. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I guess, um, one question I have for you guys is like, what do you want to see from the community in general to like help you guys with with this, and to like help empower like female and non-binary players? I I think we've had a lot of support from the community uh, already. I, I haven't really seen any um, like negative discourse about our um, our plans. Um, one thing that I am worried about is that um, if we ever do play, um, if we lose, which I'm sure like all teams lose, but um, if we lose, I, I just don't want the the idea to be like, oh, we only lost because we're playing three max, you know. Um, so I guess having supportive teammates and having like supportive players through the league would be very helpful for us for especially our first season. Yeah, I would say for the bigger community and having this being an eventual goal to play three max, you know, actually learn the positions. What what are the specific things that an unmarked chaser can do? That way, when you say, oh, you know, like Lindsay's Lindsay Morell is a great chaser, right? Like you don't you don't just say Lindsay Morell is a great chaser. You're saying. Lindsay made this great cut at this time and that's a really difficult thing to do like in in the compliments towards females and those outside of the binary should be specific things that people can see so it's not just oh I mentioned I mentioned a girl in this comment so I'm okay like no actually learn 
the position so that you can compliment and then teach other people this is what this is what exactly she's doing that makes her dangerous mm-hmm. I think as in general i think we like to as a community recycle the na- the names of female players that are really good and i think we need to recognize and be really good about talking about all people like the first time that you're named a bigger quidditch of like as a good player is awesome and i want college kids to get that Maybe I shouldn't have said kids, but college students <laughs> to get that. Um, and that might be a part of the reason why one female stays in the sport is because they got recognized on a national level. And like, that's exciting. So I think we can get more females and non-binary players kept in the sport if we give them that positive praise more than just like from your teammates at practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's- that's an awesome point. Okay, so I we can now move on to a couple of mailback questions that we have from the community. Um, just you know, just dig a little deeper into y'all's and, and y'all's lives. So Serena Montero wants to know, uh, what's something that you're really proud of that you don't get to brag about or bring up often? Um, and it could be Quidditch or non-Quidditch related. We don't really care too much here. Well, I think first thing most importantly is that Lulu's a doctor. Okay, <laughs> that's none of that is true. <laughs> I actually I want to talk about something else. I'm not a doctor, first of all. I am a medical student, but will be a doctor. What I actually wanted to talk about for this question is um sort of like the importance of representation. So um I don't know if people know about like m- my time in college. Um because I wasn't really that well-known as a player in college. Um, And I think I had a pretty unusual experience compared to a lot of the other like very successful beaters now and that um, my like captains, I think didn't really see a lot of potential in me as a player. And so I wasn't even actually on the like roster um, for my first three years. I was on like the reserve squad, which basically was like, they would pick some of us for the main roster. Um, but even my junior year, they were like, oh, you probably are not gonna make it for regionals or nationals. Um, and I think part of it um, was there weren't a lot of players that looked like me in, and honestly in like competitive sports in general, but also in Quidditch discourse. And um, I think that affected kind of the way that people saw me and affected the way that I saw myself um, because um, like I, I knew I was better than the opportunities that I was being given, but I'd never ever thought that I would ever get to where I'm now. And um, like even now, when you look at Team USA, like everyone on Team USA is like, you know, majestic, like statuesque, like beautiful people. And like I feel like standing next to them, I'm like I, I might look like a child, you know. But you know what? It didn't matter. <laughs> like even World Cup, like day two, I was starting beater pair of the best team in the world. And like, if there's anything I want, like younger players to take away from that is that if like I can do it, then they can too. And it's not something that is only for people that fit the archetype of what a like a good Quidditch athlete is. Awesome. That was an amazing answer. Yeah, that was incredible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Grace, you gotta you gotta keep up with that one. Oh <laughs> no, that was a- <laughs> Grace has done a lot for the community. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I don't want to make you follow that up, so I can yeah, ask no. you kind of like a like a different kind of question. <laughs> That's a great um, end. <laughs> so, so then, Grace, what, um, how is it trying to balance like just work or school life? I don't know if you're still in school or, um, you know, like helping out coaching college teams and then also playing competitive Quidditch. I mean, of course, pre the virus and all that. Right. So I am a teacher. I teach fourth grade. Um, and so, and I also coach BU. So it's, it's a lot. Um, I think, especially when you have like two BU practices a week and then one um, club practice a week. And with pandas, we're looking to have two or three practices a week. And then balancing work off of that. I'm lucky that I am a morning person. So I like to get to my um, school that I work at like super early so that I can get out a little bit early and have some flex time. It's definitely hard. But I think one thing, this community has given me a lot. And one thing that motivates me and something that I love is teaching and helping other people love and engage in the community. So it's hard, but it's definitely worth it. And I would like suggest like coaching a college team is awesome. And yes, I agree. It's so, so great to be able to like see upcoming college students that are just stars. Yeah. And I kind of just want to add to that as well. I want to give a shout out to Harvard, um, who I also help coach. And I think like working with them the last couple of years has sort of was one of my the reasons why I want to make my own team was because they have like their vibe in Quidditch is so different than what I had played a lot with in club. Um, like they're competitive, but they also like no one ever gets frustrated at each other. They all love each other. And like I wanted that kind of like environment for for, for like the team that I actually played on. Yeah, it's kind of special. The Boston Quidditch community in colleges, they just like have such a great vibe all around. Um, they tease each other. They, I don't know, it's just great. And it makes you want to stick, stick around and keep on doing it because, you know, you're just hanging out with your friends and having fun. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that sounds great. I might have to mess around and start coaching college teams now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so next question is, uh, from, uh, Kieran Collier, uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, he, he wants to know a little bit about this, um, elite keeping record that Lulu has. So please, I, I'd love to hear this I story. Have to, I have to tell you, I can't tell you a lot. Um, <laughs> what I can tell you is that I'm undefeated as a keeper. Um, I can't okay. tell you how many games I played at keeper, but it is more than three. <laughs> Um, wow, and then wow, yeah. I, I ended up um, stopping so that I could let other people like Jake Archibald have a chance. That's all I can yeah. do. <laughs> to play without Lulu stepping down. Have you, have, have you petitioned Yada yet for uh, for some of those keeper minutes? I know. Well, I wanted to give a chance, you know, but maybe I should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, and then now, so Tessa Mullins wants to know if you guys have any favorite game day snacks or anything like that. <laughs> we have complicated snacks. <laughs> no, I have a, I like always forget to eat in tournaments, so it's it's not good. Uh, I don't eat anything interesting. I try to eat like bananas and like nuts. I guess I don't know <laughs> what other people eat. 
Uh, trail mix, maybe? Interesting. Yeah. Wait, what do you guys eat? Oh, man. It it depends on what I can grab on the way to a tournament. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, usually, like, if I get a chance, I love to have a nice, like, bacon, egg, and cheese on a cinnamon raisin. That was... Are, game? That sounds like... Yeah. This is awful. <laughs> it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but uh, my teammate Frank Minton put me on, and it's just... It's so good. I have to, yeah. I have to give him credit every time, because I also <laughs> was like, y'all, I was like, why would anyone ever think to do that? That sounds disgusting. And then I tried it, and it was just... It changed my life. So wow! Definitely give it a shot. <laughs> I don't know if I will, but <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I too forget to eat at tournaments. Uh, even though I, I don't really play, so uh, it's not, it's not as much of a, of a problem. But one thing that I do do that a lot of heat does is before like big games, I take a caffeine tablet, and that really gets me super hyped for the game. And then yeah, and that's what you wow. guys do. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you wonder why our beaters are so crazy. Now I wish I had a more interesting answer to that question. <laughs> I'm glad we left, you guys. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, just last question. Um, this one is uh, from Sean Maloney. And uh, what made you guys pick pandas as a team? Um <laughs> Was it just like the cuteness factor? I think Lulu said earlier, but like you guys want to go into that a little more. Um, why? Yeah, what? I think the only response is why would someone even ask that? I think it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is this a question? Why is everyone pandas? Yeah, I could. That was one of my non-negotiables. I was like, no, our team is pandas. Yeah, I, I, I do want to say, so I had originally come up with pandas as like a, a, a joke name. And then afterwards, when we were really seriously discussing our team, um, I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm open to changing it. And then Grace is like, no, we are keeping pandas. <laughs> and I'm glad that she stuck with that. Yeah, I love the commitment. It's, it's definitely a, a very powerful name. So I like that, you know. We did add Boston to it, so you know. Right, you can just be done. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Do we have one more question, or is that it? Oh, actually, wait. We do have one more. I'm sorry, I almost <laughs> missed this last one. Uh, this one's from Christian Barnes, and uh, he wants to know if you drafted a three max set for party games, uh, excluding yourselves, who would you guys pick and why? Is party games like? What are party games? I'm, I'm, yeah. I, so I'm assuming, so, go ahead, Ethan, you got this. I, yeah, I, I took this like two different ways. Is this like like Jackbox games or is it like drinking games? Yeah. <laughs> which, so which I, one of the yeah. Two, what kind of party are we talking about? Yeah, we can split this into two parts. We can make it like if it's like a Jackbox game and then like if it's a drinking game. Hmm. I think for either, I'd pick uh, Curtis and Leanne just because they're great at every game. <laughs> wow yeah i mean i agree i i like got a chance to play uh we they were on my team at a fantasy tournament um this past like thanksgiving i think and they just i the one of the first things they said in our group chat was if anyone wants to play spades or any other card games oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. or um can jam they yeah. have a lot of can jam is yeah so they i could definitely see them being just complete beasts whenever it comes to game night 
Oh, they are. They are. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, yeah, I think that wraps up for all of our mailbag questions. Is there anything else you guys uh, wanted to add in? Um, just, you know, any last words you wanted to say? Uh, just thanks for having us on and thank you to the community for supporting us and being excited. Yeah, thank you for reaching out. I'm very nervous for this podcast. For sure. Like, thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, like, we were really excited to have y'all on um, just because you guys are really doing some incredible things right now with this community. And um, I hope that we'll really be able to see change come in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs>